Hello and welcome back to episode three of the Away End Show, brought to you by the Elite Football Show. My name is Hayder and I'm your host as usual today. I'm joined by my usual co-host today, Kieran. How are you doing today, mate? It is Tuesday, I think. Yeah. Mate. Yeah, it's Tuesday. It's, it feels it's, like a Monday. Yeah, especially over here, we've had the we had the bank holiday Monday this this week. So going into work today, I'm like, oh, tomorrow's Tuesday, but then realizing that our game's actually tomorrow and it's Wednesday. So it's uh, it's all good. Quick week to get some football in. Absolutely. And I'm joined by my special guest today, Pete from Le Grove, a huge Arsenal blog and just like a massive following. I mean, Pete, tell me about yourself and tell me a bit more about how you've got such a massive following with your great work. No, oh, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so LaGrove has been going uh, 13 years now. Uh, I originally started the blog because I was, I'm was a bit of a transfer fiend and uh, the, there weren't many daily Arsenal blogs. Like There was only Ars Blog and Gunner Blog did it intermittently, so I thought I'd fill the gap and, uh, and write about transfers. And then 14 years later... Like, here we are. Blogging is still fashionable, but I'm looking at the way that you guys have just set up this show. I'm like, my God, I'm so far behind. This is so fancy. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Mate, honestly, this is a way forward. I mean, I'm going to start bringing a little bit of blogging on, I Kieran, into uh, Elite Football Show. That's the next plan. But it's so funny. 14 years ago, that's incredible. And it's amazing that sort of, you know, the written word still goes so far, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, it, it does. People still like to to read something on the train to work in the morning. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that it's still a little bit relevant because there's a lot of uh, there's, there's a lot of great streaming stuff. I think the podcast scene is incredible. Uh, and even like the young writers coming through that do the football analysis and the tactics breakdowns like it's uh, it's inspiring. I think the I think the content creator space at the moment is phenomenal. So um yeah, so um, I'm really happy that you invited me onto the the show. <laughs> the us bloggers have still got something going for us. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you've been on you've been on top of the list for a long time. Hass is an Arsenal fan, obviously myself and Kieran are United fans. So Hass has been like, we've got to get LeGrove on, we've got to get LeGrove on. We've had a few, we've had a few Arsenal fans before, a few different ones. We've had a guy from Arsenal. We had Lee from Arsenal Fan TV. He was great. We try try and stay away from the sort of fan fan channel sort of stuff because you know we don't really pride ourselves on that but uh no it's fantastic to have you on mate and let's just jump straight into it before we go guys you can see in the bottom right hand corner has has been working very hard to get the graphics looking good today <laughs> pete you're lucky has worked really hard because you're an arsenal fan he wanted it to look <laughs> tip-top shape for you. they look great they look great yeah I love that. So um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram as well. And obviously YouTube, just type in Elite Football Show in the top left-hand corner and you should be able to find it. Pete, without further ado, let's jump into it. Guys, we're recording this on Tuesday. So obviously there's Champions League games coming up and I believe there's Europa League, isn't, isn't it, on Thursday? I think you guys might be playing. Um, so just, just bear that in mind when you are listening to this because this is going to get released just before the game. So, Pete, let's start with it. What are your thoughts on Arsenal's start so far to the season? Looking at your record, six games played, three, one and three loss. Sitting in 11th place, it's not been the best start, has it? Well, it, it, was, it was our best start in seven seasons uh, and then we play City and Liverpool and then it started to look a bit average but we were still within spitting distance and I think um I think the the, the table the table doesn't lie but it's um it's not it's not ter it's not quite terrible yet 
And I think the, you know, four points from top. Um, so to be four points in top, uh, uh, like going into November after the the start of the season that we had last year, um, feels exciting. But you know, we're we're in a we're at a tipping point now. We've lost fifty percent of our Premier League games. Um, losing against City and Liverpool is no shame. But I think the concern from Arsenal fans is losing against City and Liverpool with the context of last season is no shame, but the context of this season, I've, you know, I felt like maybe we gave them a little bit too much respect and maybe we took a little bit too much joy out of not getting totally spanked. Uh, and then to lose against a Leicester City side that played a deep block and brought Jamie Vardy on to win the game. It just, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of negativity at Arsenal at the moment because it's starting to feel a little bit like last season. So there's so much on this Manchester United game. Like it's absolutely huge for us because um, we are the gift to managers that are struggling. And we know that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is having his own set of problems and we're normally the exact perfect team. And you as United fans, you know, you, you, you want to see Arsenal coming over when you're struggling because you're good, you know, Always. You're, you, you, we'll just roll over. But I don't know whether it's going to be the same um, this weekend and... Like we, I'm hopeful that this is a tipping point for us. But like you know, both sides have got a lot on it, so it's um, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, you pick up with some fantastic points, Kieran. I'm going to bring you into this. Very much, these both these clubs are just mirroring each other, aren't they? Right now, you look at the managers. Look, this is going to be very controversial. Obviously, we've got a lot of Man United following, but I, I said at the end of last season, obviously when Arteta led Arsenal to the FA Cup, I said Arteta for me out of Lampard, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And, and um, obviously, and himself, I think he's probably the one that looks like he's got the most tactical nows. And sort of moving forward, what's been impressive is, is that he's obviously fixed the defence, and we'll talk about that a bit later, but Arsenal don't seem like Arsenal of old, do they? They they seem a little bit... I think they look tighter at the back, but there's not that imagination. Every time, Look, as United fans, when we used to play Arsenal with under Wenger, we know that Arsenal would come and they would just play the most beautiful football. But I'm not expecting that this weekend. What about you? No, it's a, it's a weird one. Like you said, they do mirror each other in the fact that I think both have been okay when you look at it. Um, obviously, United, I think everybody now thinks of the game against Spurs and you'll say that how bad of a season that it's kind of started off for the club. For me, it's, it's a tricky one. I, d I don't like to put Lampard in the same discussion as Arteta and... Solskjaer because I think I've made my feelings known about Lampard how I don't think he's that great of a tactical manager. I, I agree with you. Do you agree with that, Pete, on Lampard? Yeah, I, I know that the Chelsea players love Lampard and I think the you know, I think that one of the challenges that they're going to have is he's, he's, he's loved by the fans as well and everybody's wishing him on but uh, it, it, like to only have one shot on target against Man United with two hundred and fifty million pounds worth of talent in the side seemed weak, and uh, I think there were a few errors that he made last year that you know maybe he's not quite at the cutting edge of of what Chelsea need with that squad. Yeah, exactly. To like to go even on that game, I know it's not really a review show, but the fact that Chelsea for the most part were able to play pretty much their strongest team that they had available. Yeah, you had Ziyech and come in late, but at least he was still able to come in. You looked at United and some of their options that, especially defensively, weren't 100% ready to play in that game. You look at 
how good Axel to and Zebi looked against PSG, but when that's your first game in ten months, it's hard to then play two or three days later and be able to keep up those levels. So I think it's understandable why he didn't play. But when you looked at the two teams, United were I think they were solid, but they also were able to try and get Chelsea on the break. I just think they didn't have they didn't show enough in the last third of the game. But Chelsea didn't really worry um, United as much as they probably should have when you've pretty much your full attacking options on the field for the majority of the game and you don't really create much. And that's been one of the problems I think Chelsea have had. Some games, you look at them, they create loads of chances and they look like an excellent team. And then the next game, they're not there and you don't see them really work. It, the same thing happened against Sevilla. You didn't really see them attack Sevilla too much when... Even though people will say, and Chelsea fans will say, well, United lost them, but you look at that game and United must have had about 20 shots on goal compared to Chelsea's one or two. So there's there's a big difference there. When we talk about Arteta and Solskjaer, while they mirror each other in terms of how their teams are performing, I think they're very different. I think you see Solskjaer wants to play that kind of attacking style of football, letting their attackers play free-flowing football. And then at times, United are getting caught defensively i feel the opposite for arteta i think he's very good in terms of setting up his defense both in midfield and defense but then you've seen it this year there's not been that kind of free-flowing attack that i guess people of our age when we saw the likes of thierry Henry and all kind of when we were growing up we were used to seeing that and when you don't see that now even with the strikers that they do have it's a bit odd but again, that's the way that it's it's kind of worked over the last couple of months for Arteta. So really, I guess until he gets those attacking players, maybe that he wants to bring in. I know there was a lot of talk about getting that kind of attacking midfielder or that creative midfielder to try and bring it all together. Maybe when that happens, you might see the offensive side of his game. But for now, I think they're very similar in time in the case of where they're at in terms of where their teams are at right now they're very inconsistent yeah inconsistent is the right word isn't it pete when you look at look at a lot of the big sides and we've got to remember as well that preseason has a massive factor and whether football fans want to to accept that or not and then this is a problem isn't it with the regular football fan look i'm a football fan i'm gonna pretend i'm higher than anyone else but you've got to take all these factors into consideration you know Teams played very, very a very condensed schedule at the end of last season. Very little rest. Some sides had no preseason, especially the ones that played late in in Europe. It was obviously United, Wolves, and Man City, and they've been the the three that have come back and have been spanked. And looking at that now, do you think that the teams, the bigger sides, are starting to pick up a little bit? Do you see Arsenal starting to get in their rhythm a bit more? Do you see United starting to get the rhythm a bit more? Or do you still think that both sides will be looking to play out a draw? Because it would not surprise me if United went for a similarly defensive midfield like we did. We went with Fred McTominay, looking to keep it tight and then bringing on the sort of the big guns to change the game. I mean, can you see Arteta doing something similar against United? More, more of a case of rather not lose, both playing out basically not to lose rather than going and actually trying to win the game. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think the the surprising tactic that happened midweek was um, Brendan Rodgers came and played a deep block against Arsenal. You know, did, didn't even start with a, a proper striker. And I don't think Arsenal 
expected a deep block from Leicester because Leicester have good attacking options even when they don't have Vardy playing. And Arsenal fans kind of went into this season going, okay, against the top six or seven sides, uh, we know that there's a there's a structure in place. We know that you can't walk through our midfield anymore. You can't walk through our defence. We're difficult to beat. And we've got some power plays where we, you know, we move the ball up the pitch in a, in a, in a very structured fashion and we nick goals. And now we can defend. I think the surprise was that good teams were going to say, well, if you can't unpick a deep block, then we're going to deep block and then we're going to catch you. And that's exactly what Leicester did in the week. So I think the um I think that the, the, there's a real struggle and you must you must see it as United fans. Um I don't know whether it's the lockdown or the pandemic, but I feel that um everybody's super angry all the time on the internet and everybody wants to live in the moment by moment. Nobody's looking at the bigger picture. Nobody Prisoner can see the moment, Pete. That's yeah. what I like to call it. Yeah. And um look, I, I've been guilty of it in, in the past, but I think the Arsenal have been in such a bad situation over the last three seasons that you have to look at um, at long term what what Arteta is trying to achieve. Like part one was he came in and he fixed a defence that Unai Emery, with all his experience, couldn't fix in eighteen months, um, and that was playing like very locked down, structured football. But he but he did it. We are more difficult to beat, and then he was trying to fix the culture and make us believe in ourselves as a team. And we fight until the end, every single one of those players. Um, going into this season, I think the hope was that we would see phase two of the process, the signing some of these more attack-minded players, signing a, a central defender like Gabriel that could pass the ball, um, signing Thomas Partey, signing William, a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more polish. But it's early doors, right? We haven't had these players like working together and we're struggling and Arteta is very cautious because Arteta's view, I think, this season is if we defend well and we nick wins, we'll almost shithouse our way to top four. But as, as we've seen, like Manchester City, it was a fine margins game and the margins went against us and we lost. But we were competitive, more competitive than we've ever been against Manchester City away. Um the Leicester game, goal gets disallowed, changes the whole shape of the game. We lose, fine margins game. Arteta hasn't got an explosive arsenal at the moment. There isn't, a, like, so I think he'll go into that game at the weekend. I don't think he'll play for the draw. I think he's going to play for the win, but he'll play for a fine margins win. He'll play for a catch Man United on the counter, try and you know, like hope that like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants to put on a show that he wants to have all of your attacking players flowing at us um, at pace. You know, like there are there are times when I've watched Manchester United and you're like, wow, they're back. This is this is what Man United can be. And I think he'll hope that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will put on a show and then we'll we'll nick one. But if if uh, if you defend deep, I think it's gonna, it's going to be a painful game to watch from both sides, and I, I think that a lot of people are uh, thinking the same as you. Is it just going to be a draw because there's too much from either manager to really go for it? Pete, that is honestly, you know what it sounded like, Kieran. That was fantastic, by the way, Pete. That, I'm going to clip that up, and that's going to be posted when we post the video, and I'll send it to you. That was honestly listening to you just then, Kieran. Didn't that mirror exactly where United was sitting just before we signed Bruno Fernandez, where we we honestly 
didn't have we looked to nick games we didn't have enough to lock down those defense we looked good in the big games because you know you know that's the thing about ollie anyone can say he doesn't have top uh, tactics it's nonsense because when you go into the big games he knows exactly how to play we had the players to hurt teams on the break organized sitting deeper in the lower block and then breaking at pace and being very explosive but looking at arsenal now that's exactly what they're missing and we'll talk a bit more about the sort of lack of creativity people but it's quite funny because someone the Tom who came on the Chel uh, podcast last week from the Chelsea fans said something similar that Chelsea are six months behind United in terms of development. And do you think that's similar with Arsenal? Do you think that United are actually further along in that development? And essentially, it's on United now to go out and play the football. And I don't think Oli's going to do that, if I'm being honest. We got beat 6 1 by Spurs. I think he's going to go and similarly play, play deep, keep it tight, and then look to try and you know, break Arsenal on the break. Yeah, I think I think um I think United are clearly ahead of us. I mean, you've got like, you know, you've got some brilliant players in that squad. You've got pace through the attack. You've got a creativity that we just don't have in Fernandez. I mean, he's a he, he he's wasteful. He, he you know, he reminds me of like uh when we had Alexis Sanchez. You know, he'll he'll make as many wayward passes as anybody on the side, but that one moment of magic because he just thinks half a second quicker than anybody else. Um, and you know you're a top four side. You know you're a, you're you're in the Champions League, um, and Arsenal uh, Ar Arsenal don't have we don't have a creator. We've got nothing. We have Meza Özil, and he's not in the squad anymore. And we are really lacking a creator. But uh, and Arsenal fans are not patient. And Arsenal fans are on the manager's back. And to a certain degree, you know we've invested 250k a week in William. We've got Thomas Partey, who is a much more complete midfielder than we've had before. Like, I, I, he's got to try something. We can't go through the season ignoring the fact that there's a middle of the park. Um, we can't. We can't say that this this year is just going to be defending and catching people on the break. We're, we're we're better than that, but we're not. We're not Man United levels. I don't think at the moment. And the only way that we would finish above Man United is if we have a lot of luck with injuries and we crack that attacking code because at the moment we're not, cons you know, we're not buttoned up in defense enough. We're still making errors, you know, just watching Bernd Leno in Vienna last week. Um, you know, you look at some of like, he's, he's not been as solid as Emmy Martinez, which is a problem. If you don't have a rock solid goalkeeper, you can't be great at defending. And because we're unadventurous in attack, We've kind of, like it, it, we've kind of got the worst of both worlds. We're not creating anything, but we're not buttoned up enough to get points out of it. So Arteta's got to work out one or the other. We're either going to get better at defending as the season goes on, or he's going to put like a kid like Willock or Emil Smith Rowe in there and just say, "Let's use senior players to protect a kid that can at least unlock these defenses." But we're in a bit of a bind because there's there's a real real lack of creativity and also a lack of confidence going forward as well. Like the players don't look in it as much as they were last season. Yeah, it's spot on. Kieran, you got anything to add to that? I mean, it feels like deja vu, doesn't it? Where we were sitting as United fans six months ago and you look around, Kieran, we looked around and we're like, what do we do in that midfield? We had Pereira, we had Lingard, Fred was playing, obviously he's more defensive, McTominay. There was nothing there with Pogba out. Fast forward now, we've, we have Van der Beek hasn't played. He's sitting on the bench. A player that's maybe not the most creative on the ball, but off the ball, his running, runs, his spatial awareness is fantastic. His ability to get into the box, looking at Bruno, who's obviously very creative, Kieran, and you're looking at Pogba. I mean, we've got options, haven't we? 
Yeah, um, I get headaches when I start thinking about where we were about a year ago because, and it's it's very interesting to hear both from Tom last week about Chelsea and then today with Pete. It's, it's hard to think of other teams that were in a similar position as we were last year because for us last year, it seemed like we're never going to get this figured out where we could actually even compete for the top four. We had the, a couple of star players that weren't working out. You Obviously, the one was with Paul Pogba, where we couldn't ever figure out where he should be playing or else we couldn't figure out the players around him in that midfield. And now there's so many different options where you have Van der Beek, you have McTominay, you have Fred, you have Bruno. Um, and then... It's all about, well, why isn't he playing or why isn't he playing? Well, that's a great option to have. I don't hear Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville complain that Man City had David Silva and Bernardo yeah, Silva in the same it? position. Um, it's, it's where you want to be. And I, I said it to you probably two or three weeks ago that if United had the same depth as they have in centre midfield to other key areas, then they wouldn't just be battling for the top four. They'd be battling up there with City and Liverpool, but they just don't have that right now. Um, I like the way Arsenal have kind of approached it. It's not trying to rush into it and try and fix it all in one season. The one issue I think I have is that they have a fine margin of error, is that if something doesn't work out perfectly and they make one or two mistakes in the game, it's hard for them to come back and win it. And we, we saw that against... Leicester City, we've seen it in the Man City game is even one or two mistakes and like you said the creativity may not be there to come back and win a game or to get a key draw that before you would have seen kind of Arsenal teams be able to battle back in and get those goals but it's just the way they're set up if Arsenal can get that first goal there's there's a very good probability that they'll win the game. You can probably see that. I know a lot of the kind of betting sites see the probability of a team to win after a certain amount of time. I'd say if you looked at that from when Arsenal scored that first goal, you would probably see a big difference between when they score that first goal and when they concede. Um, and it'd be an interesting kind of thing to look at throughout the season. I know it's, it's kind of hard now because of the sample size, but to see how that kind of improves over the season based on bringing in that creative player, that's it's also very difficult. I think United have tried that before and it took a long time for us to get in a player like Bruno. We tried it in many different scenarios. You have Angel Di Maria, Alexis Sanchez, Henrik Mkhitaryan. Even if you look at the strikers that came in, in Lukaku, for example, they were trying to do something to kind of unlock that kind of creativity and it never really happened and then suddenly they bring in Bruno and it just happens and sometimes you need that bit of luck that the player you bring in just fits the team and fits the way you play and I think United are extremely lucky that they brought Bruno in when they did because it just seems like the perfect signing and I I thought that Arsenal would make a more creative player but I guess you also have to trust on the timing of a player to bring in. And it just depends. Like, I know they were talking about the kid from Lee, from Leon Awar. When, yeah, when I saw very him, good player. Yeah, when I saw him playing the Champions League, that's excellent. That he was excellent, I thought. And he's very good ball control, very creative. We also have to think is 
have they got to that extensive part of their scouting where they want to bring him in yet or do they still want to have kind of a bigger sample size to see how he gets on this year it's hard to know because it seemed like the summer was the time to bring him in the price was feasible it didn't seem like it was too big compared to other players so you have to kind of think of why wasn't a deal like that done and maybe it happens in january and the same thing that united got with bruno may happen with arsenal i i think that um I, th- I think that point about you know united tried so many different combinations and you know the the reality is Mikel arteta has been an assistant manager at one of the most creative you know setups in premier league history um so he knows he knows what it takes to be a creator at the highest level and that's the issue right you can't you can't be a number 10 or aggressive eight if you are not absolutely top of your game you have to be intelligent you have to be physically fit you have to be fast you have to be mobile and there's not a lot of those players about that can really make a difference at the top and um we we tried to sign um awar over the summer and i think the i think that there were you know there were rumors that his brothers wanted a huge agent fee that we couldn't afford i think the um I think the Leon maybe over overplayed their hand, and as soon as it looked like we couldn't get Oar, they just went all in on Partey, and I think that that's a good move. I think that if we use this year to build stability, like it's much better to start with. Hey, we've got uh, the defence and midfield locked. Now we just need a bit of a spark. You know, Arsene Wenger originally came in; it was easy for him. He had the most drilled back five ever. And then all he needed to do was sprinkle a Patrick Vieira, a Nicholas Anelka, and get Burkamp playing, right? Um, Arteta's almost got to repeat that this year. Like, he's got to build a solid foundation, which I think we've got some really great players to do that. But, I, I you know, this this moment in time, football fans are, you know, Arteta's rubbish. He's a novice. He doesn't know what he's doing. And it's like, listen, if we'd beaten Leicester 2-0, we would have gone third. And now we're, we're talking about who replaces who replaces him, and it's just it's just a crazy world that we're living in. But I don't think Arsenal are thinking that way. I think that they want to go full steam ahead, and I think they understand that we've made so many horrendous errors in the transfer market that it's gonna it's gonna take some time to correct it. Yeah, I, the the one thing that actually reminds me about that transfer is they won probably about three or four years ago from Leon as well, Nabil Fakir from Liverpool. That it was very obvious they wanted to bring him in something stopped that deal. I know the Leon president didn't want it to happen. And then suddenly the next season, he's gone to Real Betis out of nowhere. So yeah, it's it's one of those weird ones that it'd be interesting to see what kind of happens to Awara over the last, or the, over the next kind of six to 12 months and see what actually happens. Does he leave the club? Yeah, absolutely. Look, guys, fantastic, fantastic debate. Uh, to all the listeners, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but you're missing amazing content like this with a great guest like Pete. Honestly, it's 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 been nearly half an hour, and I'm just it's just such a good conversation. Something that I've taken out from it, Kieran, is we we as United fans, as Pete touches on about the the lack of patience, and we as United fans are one of the worst at it. I'll be honest with you. And I'm someone, and everyone who listens to my podcast knows I'm someone that sits on the fence with Oli massively. You know, sitting in December last year, I was sinking out of his depth. Bruno comes in, as we say, you know, it takes one player. One player can change everything, can completely change the complexion, the mentality of... I mean, Bruno turned the club around and you look at the mentality he's brought in and you look at United now, Kieran, and 
we've got a problem. We can't fit Paul Pogba into the side. We can't fit Van der Beek into the side. And now sitting, to Pete, sitting with Pete and talking to him about Arsenal, I turn around and I think, we've got Cavani on the bench. Like, why are we complaining? as United fans, and I, I've maintained this, and Kieran, you know this, and I'm going to pass this on to Peaks. we'll talk about Arteta, but I've always maintained with Man United that this squad, yes, there's defensive frailties, but if Axel Toon Xavier could have come back I, I, and keep fit, this squad's good enough, especially with the landscape currently in English football with so many inconsistent teams, COVID, etc., etc. It's just anyone can win it. If any team puts a run of games together, they could find themselves sitting at the top of the Premier League. And I, I still maintain the main night have enough quality and depth to do that. I mean, who gets to have Rashford, Martial, Cavani and Greenwood as your striking options? Who gets to have that, that midfield? We've signed Tellez, who's a fantastic attacking fullback. It's, I mean, look, it sort of brings it back to this, Pete. What is the expectations for Arsenal fans this season? Because I see some fans saying, oh, we're going to finish eighth. But then I see other people right. saying, oh, it's going to be top four easily. So so where do you sit on this? Well, I think that I think that it's going to be a, a, a real messy season. I think that you're I think we're all going to see the difference a Virgil van Dijk makes to a team because I, I, like Liverpool have lost um, that air of invincibility that they have with him. I think Manchester City look like they're going into the final year of Pep Guardiola. And I think it, it feels like everybody kind of knows what's going to happen there. Um, so I, I think it's going to be wide open. My my expectation is that we compete for top four. Like there are, what, seven, maybe eight teams that can make the top four this season. And I think there are a group of clubs that have similar squads, uh, you know, some with better coaches, some with better players. And I think that that kind of puts about five or six of us like in the mix to make top four. I think all Arsenal fans can expect is that we compete right up until the end and, and, and make a challenge of it. And I don't think we can really expect too much more. Um, I, I, like some Arsenal fans are saying, this is like the season where, you know, Leicester, Leicester won the league. Um, I don't know whether it's quite as tumultuous as it was back then, but I, I do think that there's an opportunity for an unexpected Premier League winner. I just don't think that that's Arsenal. I think that's more likely going to be Man United if you streak because you've, you just you just have a more settled squad, and if you sort out some of the some of the defending and and get the team to click on a more regular basis, that could be you. But like we don't have enough complete. I don't think you can. I don't think you can win the league without a creator. I just don't. I just don't see that happening with the level that we're at. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Kieran. I'm bringing you in on that. Pete's right. United have a lot of pieces in the squad, and you saw they went to PSG the runners up for the Champions League and went and beat them and they played them off the park and they had that United have that flexibility and go for three at the back to four at the back. I mean, why can't United go and put a run together? And surely then, and we'll talk about Arteta in a minute, I'll come to people about Arteta, but surely then we should look at Oli and think, you have got, you have been back to an extent, of course not the way we want to. You haven't got Sancho, you didn't get a centre-back, you didn't get Haaland, etc. We know that, but looking at that squad on paper, why shouldn't United be taking the ball by the horns and saying, you know what, we're going to make the Premier League guards because one of our good friends, Paulie, on the group chat message saying, I wish you were playing Liverpool tomorrow because they look shaky. It's, again, it comes back to the one word, consistency, and you don't see it enough. You see weeks of struggles for United that puts them too far off the pace, and then you see a good kind of 12 to 13 week window where, we win or draw most games and they they suck you in to a certain amount and then 
there's a result that kind of brings you back down again. It was like post-lockdown where we were winning most games. We didn't drop many points. I don't even know if we dropped points in the Premier League. I can't remember. Um, we had a couple of draws, but I don't think we... I think the only game we lost were in the cup games. And then you start this season and the players don't look ready or prepared to start the season. You then have the game against Paris Saint-Germain where it looks more like the team from last year. And then you have the Chelsea game where you don't see enough attacking intent from the team. And it leaves you in that in the middle. I don't think the Premier League is going to be as kind of open as some people think. Yes, Liverpool have lost Van Dijk, but they're still an immensely attacking team. And to be honest, nobody can defend, really. <laughs> you look at it in the Premier League now. Apart from yeah. Arsenal, to be fair I, to them. Yeah. I, I, look at the, I look at every single week, every time I'm watching the game, and I look at the defence for a team, and I'm like, how is this person a professional footballer? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm used to growing up when with United going from kind of Stam Ronnie on, so then you have kind of Rio Vidic, and you're like, you'd be used to not conceding goals for weeks on end. Now it's more like we have to score three or four goals to try and win, and a lot of other teams are like that. The first two weeks in the Premier League season were ridiculous. I think it was the Fulham game where it looked comical, and it, it's, it's still the same with some of the teams. You look at Liverpool now, well, they have the great attacking talent. The defence just, they don't look like they're on the same page. It's the same for Man City, that they're brilliant going forward. But if you really go at them, that you can score. We saw it last year when we played against them. If you can push Man City defensively, you have a chance to beat them. And it's one of those things. And it's, it might be one of the reasons Arsenal have had a bit of a hard time in the Premier League against them is that because of that lack of creativity when you want to catch them, you may not be able to kind of score that key goal to make Man City come more onto you, so then you have even more space. United were able to do that on, I think, three or four occasions last year and be able to score goals. Really, it wasn't too difficult. Like, you look at the game, I think it was December time last year, and it wasn't a difficult game for United to play. Played very deep, made Man City come onto them, and caught them on the break and really looked pretty comfortable in the game. It's one of those weird seasons where there is bad defending, but I still expect the likes of Liverpool and Man City to be up at the top because their attacking talent going forward is still far superior than a lot of other teams. For United, while the, the names that are on the team sheet look really enticing, I don't see the consistency there. I don't see the consistency with Rashford. I, lo I love him as a player in spurts, but then he makes some very bad decisions in the final third. Too many streaky players on there. Yeah, it's, the it's the same with Martial. Like, he hasn't scored a goal yet. And it happens time and time again. You can break it down from last season. Start of the season was Rashford. Then Martial has about a six or seven week um, breakout. Then back to Rashford. Rashford gets injured. Then Martial... The problem is they don't do it at the same time. Those good Man United teams, when you had the likes of Ronaldo, Tevez, Rooney, they're all scoring at the same time. And until United can kind of get that consistency, I can't see them kind of battling for the Premier League in the next few seasons. 
yeah, fantastic points. Guys, we're going to move on to the next topic. It's going to jump up nicely on the screen. Look at that. Lovely. Review of Arteta's time at the club. <laughs> Love okay, that. so excited by just the banner. I always knew we had banners, but you know what? I just thought we'd make it a bit more colourful because, you know, the listeners don't always want to just see just my face. So, you know, we've got some banners now. So, Pete, review of Arteta's time at the club. I think fans need to remember that uh, it wasn't just a difficult job coming in and fixing a team which were so low on confidence under Emery, but there was a whole cultural reboot. And talk to me a bit about that as well. Yeah. Uh, Unai Emery was an absolute unmitigated disaster. Um, you know, it, the, so much, so, so much, so many bad decisions have happened at Arsenal for such a long time. It's difficult to unpack them all into a, into a, into a single pithy sentence, but like Unai Emery was um, a recommendation of a super agent, I don't think any analyst at Arsenal had him on their go-to list. Uh, he couldn't even speak English, and he was he was eighth, wasn't he? Or something ridiculously low down. He, on the list. he wasn't even on the original list. He was literally, you know, Raúl Sinelli, who was let go, let go. Um, he he put him forward. It was his man, and uh, you know, he, he he blew everybody away. Apparently, in an interview where he couldn't speak um, English, and I, I'm sorry at the. You know, Bielsa might be a, a unique beast, but um, you need to be able to speak English to come into a club that's uh, that's in deep malaise. And uh, he came in, said he was going to fix the defence. He didn't fix the defence, said he'd fix some of the problem players, tried to fix them, then gave up. Uh, and then as soon as the new year and his ideas settled in, um, you know, it, it was a car crash from there. You know, we, we missed out on third place by two points, but we gave it up. Uh, so Arteta came into uh, a stunning mess. I mean, Obama Yang looked like he was out the door. Um, Granite Jacker had told the fans to fuck off and walked off the pitch and had his captaincy taken away. And um, there was no identity. There was no real belief in what we were doing. And it was a bit of a nightmare. So Arteta's job really has been to create a high-performance culture uh, at Arsenal and hold players to account. He's got, you know, he's come in, he's got a very clear set of principles and non-negotiables. And if you don't meet his non-negotiables, then there is a consequence. Um, we've seen Ainsley Maitland-Niles fall foul of the non-negotiables and then get back into the side. Matteo Guendozi and Meza Ozil have, uh, uh, have gone against the manager and they've lost. And um, Arteta has, has set out to fix the defence, make us difficult to beat and make us competitive for a full 90 minutes. He's delivered on that. And we are difficult to beat. We defend really well. Um, I, you know, I don't know the exact statistic, but it's not often we can see more than one goal in a game. Um, the problem is that he's fixed the defense, but it's at the sacrifice of attack. Um, the, the next challenge for Arteta and his, uh, his team of extremely young coaching staff is to work out how you defend well, but how you create a connection between midfield and attack. And that's phase two of the process. I think that we've got some interesting tooling that could potentially help. Having a midfielder like Thomas Partey, who can control the midfield on his own, is a great step. I think that the view at Arsenal is that he's been very restricted playing under Simeone. He's, he's a defensive shield. But actually for Ghana, he plays as a number 10. Simeone would occasionally play him as a striker. So the hope is that he can unlock uh, some quick balls and transitions in midfield. We haven't seen the best of Willian yet. A very odd signing, 32 years old, 250 grand a week, three years. 
Don't know who's responsible for that, whether it was Raul Signelli, but, you know, he's a quality player. And then we've got players like Gabriel um, who can come back and maybe rescue us for more game time uh, of Alex Lacazette. So there are options. So the, the, the overall review, I think we're really happy. He's a brilliant communicator. I think Arsenal fans really like him. I think the next phase of the process is, like, how do you unlock attack? How do you bring back some of that attacking philosophy that we know he wants to play? Um, and how do we beat Man United at the weekend and kickstart our season? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Kieran, have you been impressed? Just quickly, have you been impressed with what Artez has done? I mean, you know, I'm actually a, a fan of him. I think he speaks really well in the media. As you talk about, I mean, I've I've done a few podcasts in the past with about about Arsenal and Arteta. When you talk about those non-negotiables, he's created, a, he's fostered a culture now, hasn't he? At Arsenal, which hasn't been there for years. Yeah, I feel like he's stabilised the the club a little bit. It's that's why I keep I go back to it where it's very similar kind of trajectory that we saw with. Solskjaer when he came in there was a lot of things broken when he came in same thing with Arteta both dressing rooms were kind of toxic at the time you say you saw with kind of Xhaka telling the fans to f off we had very similar things happening at the club where it was a really unhappy place and you've seen both managers come in and try and install a culture that before was at the clubs and then both both clubs seem to have gone away from that over the past decade and they need to try and get back to to where they were i think arteta is in a very good manager i think the way he's gone about it, gone about his plan to kind of move them forward is is the right way to go i think Solskjaer has done something similar at united the one thing i'll see is that once those attacking players come in then you'll find out is arteta them kind of as we always say with Solskjaer, is he the manager that's going to bring them to the top or is he the a to b and then you need someone from b to c i think right now a lot of united fans were happy with kind of what Solskjaer has done with the club there are still doubts to see if he's the manager to bring them back to actually winning titles i think once you get those attacking creative players with arsenal does the defense drop off a little bit and do you need to have kind of that next manager afterwards? But look, both coaches, when they've come in, they've, like I said, they've stabilized the atmosphere around the two clubs. That's really what you need in some of these younger managers coming in because no matter what we want, they don't have the experience because they're learning on the job. They may have been assistant managers like Arteta under Pep Guardiola or kind of long-term managers with smaller clubs in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So it's not going to be perfect. But again, as long as you can continue to build, I think that's the most important thing for the two um, clubs right now. Yeah, and that's my massive thing there is that whole... I always use that phrase. You copied my uh, catchphrase, that A to B and B to C. Pete, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, I always say, and and I actually heard this about Antonio Conte when when he was at Juventus, uh, on podcast, but he was sort of A to B. They they're in absolute disarray. Obviously, Calciopoli. I know it's a little bit off topic, but I just I think it's crazy how Juventus got relegated and then they had to come back to the top. And they had Antonio Conte came in and basically just shook everything up from top to bottom, broke it and fixed it again. And you kind of see that a bit with Arteta and with with Solskjaer. But then looking at that sort of B to C. And this is a question I want to ask you because I'm not a big fan of... Kieran's a little bit different, but I don't like the idea, oh, X player, oh, he knows the club. 
Mm-hmm. Are you one of those that think that's nonsense? Because for me, whatever you do, whatever. Look, Arsenal is a massive club like Man United. Arsenal and Man United were the two best clubs for years, and in the Premier League. And for me, it's about having a manager. You have to have the best. You go out and get the best players, the best recruitment, the best facilities. You know, if you're not going to go and buy the top top bracket, then you buy the best young up and coming players, develop them. That's what you got to do. You buy get the best manager. I'm not saying God's like Solskjaer, but I'm saying that. Are you one of those that agrees with that as well? Or are you one of the ones who are a bit more romantic? I would say Kieran's more of a romanticist when it comes to these things. You know, perhaps bringing in someone who knows the club, who perhaps can instill that culture rather than win, win, win. Is that which? Where do you sit on that sort of well, debate? So, I, I, just to just to go back to um, Kieran's point that I, that, that I thought was really interesting. Not enough, like Man United have have got a lot of like, I've had a lot of cult personalities around the club and you've got a big fan base that buy into the the cults, like the Pogba cult, the Martial cult. I think the biggest cult is the Mourinho was wronged cult. And I don't think enough credit is given to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for the wreckage that he picked up. And I don't think people that I don't think people that don't live in and out of uh, the game truly understand the mess that Mourinho leaves behind. And I thought I thought the some of the stuff that he did at United was a disgrace to the to the club. You know, I, I, I you know, that was nearly the last big job that he got in world football. No one touched him after what he did to United. So I think that um, not enough credit is given to like Onegana Solskjaer for picking that up because um, you know he 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 built the squad badly and um, I think he ruined people. I think um, I think he caused massive confidence loss in a lot of players and I think it's taken a long time to pick that up. So leading like back to the the question of um, like do I believe in ex players? I I think the I think that the reason I like I don't think that Arsenal should hire Tony Adams, right? But I think that the reason that Arteta could get the job at Arsenal is he played with a lot of those players. Um, he understood the issues that were happening under Arsene Wenger, and he I think that he is a a, a special coach. I think that he's a bit of a freak of nature. I think he's a bit of a nerd. I think he is completely obsessed with football and I think that he has the potential to be a bit of a visionary. So I think that in that moment, that like when Arsenal lost Arsene Wenger, it was probably the best time to put a young coach in because with a young coach with a, that, that has shown a lot of potential and had a great reputation behind the scenes, you know, there's the opportunity to do something special. There's the opportunity to have a Pep Guardiola moment, a Zidane moment. And neither of those two would have succeeded in the same way had they not been at Madrid and Barcelona. So I think the hope is that with Arteta, like you're not buying, you're not really buying, like nobody's like, Arteta, what, what a great ex-captain. No one's ever talking about him like Patrick Vieira or Tony Adams. But that little bit of knowledge that he has about the way Arsenal worked helped him hit the ground running. He knew all of the analysts. He knew all of the scouts. You know, like he knew everybody at the club. So th- there wasn't that same sort of knee-jerk um, jolt to the system that Unai Emery brought to us. So I don't, I don't believe that um, that you should hire ex-players unless they have something special about them. And I think the way that Arteta deals with the media. You know, I, I'm I'm nearly the same age as Arteta, and it, like every time I watch him deal with the media over really tricky substances, I'm blown away. Um, the way that he has big players 
coming to him to play, like Aubameyang signing that new deal, everybody talking about how much they love the coaching behind the scenes. Like the results on the pitch don't feel like we're there yet, but there's there's potentially something really special coming. So I'm quite excited um, about where we go. So I'm not one for signing culture player, you know, you know, the, uh, like Newcastle, Alan Shearer. I'm not that sort of person. But I think under certain special circumstances, it can make sense. And I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer picking up the wreckage of Mourinho, like on paper, that kind of made sense because he knows what it could be and knows what it should be. And I think the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer cares about the club more than any manager that you're likely to bring in. And you needed that. And I think that we kind of needed the same sort of thing. So, um, yeah. Fantastic yeah. point. And that's where we come back, Kieran, don't we, to that A, A to B. And, you know, it's funny because you mentioned those, the cultists or, we, we, yeah, you know, the sort of, look, United's fan base is terrible for it. And Spurs will have this when Mourinho does inevitably crash and burn. You, you never know. Mourinho could win it this year. You don't it's, know. Spurs he's, but he's going to crash and burn. You know. Yeah, it'll happen. It's, yeah. a, it's a second season now. We all, it happens every we single time. Yeah. yeah, he won't get what he wants next summer. He'll throw his cars and his toys out of the pram, and then suddenly you'll see players be thrown under the bus, and it'll just be a car crash. And he was doing it last year, mate. He was yeah. doing it with the Dombele last year. Yeah, yeah, look, and, and, it, yeah. It's, it's an issue, and it goes back to what Pete said. And Solskjaer was the right person to bring in because just how toxic that was. And I've mentioned it before, and it's it's common knowledge that a lot of the younger players in the United squad were going to leave because of what Mourinho said in the summer before he was sacked. Because he basically said that I have to go on preseason with a bunch of kids that I'm not going to play. Now, within those within that team was Mason Greenwood, one of kind of the up and coming young attackers in the Premier League. Now, if you're a player at that ilk and your manager or the manager of the first team basically says, I don't want to play you because you're not going to be in my team, why would you want to stay? And if we kept Mourinho and that happened, and let's say Greenwood went to, I don't know, Man City or Liverpool, how annoyed will the United fans now be of the kind of ownership to keep a manager, even if you didn't want him, especially now seeing as what happened? That for, it was kind of toxic for even the half a year before. It all started really when things kicked off with Paul Pogba because Pogba was really well liked in, in that dressing room. A lot of the big players really, really kind of respected him. And then the way Mourinho kind of dealt with him in public, that brought the whole locker room and they, they didn't respect him anymore. And that's why you saw what happened. So for a manager that didn't have a load of experience in the Premier League to come in, and be able to fix that pretty quickly to where the players are playing together as a team is is something that is very hard to do. And it's the reason why you saw them win so many games early on and why he got that contract. And to be honest, while it's not been perfect, it's been far from a bad hire compared to what we've had in previous seasons. It's what I always say, don't I, Kieran, that the way I judge Solskjaer and probably the way that with Arteta as well, Pete. I mean, that this is just my view that if they, if you say to them, if they left tomorrow, have they left the club in a better place than they came in? The answer is yes, they've done their job. And that's the thing. Look, we all want trophies. We were all, all of us sitting here, we're accustomed to trophies after trophies with legendary managers. It's not like that anymore. The league's more competitive. You, look, 
the average manager tenure in England, this is since 2012, is 12 months, 14 months, something like that. And that's the thing. So at the end of the day, no manager is ever going to be able to go and do the same. And I think both clubs are in safer hands with these sort of managers and someone with a bigger reputation from Europe, say Mourinho, even Emery, Emery won three uh, Europa leagues. That's pedigree. Whatever you say, it's still a difficult competition to win, but Pete, we're going to skip past the, I'm just going to bring it up anyway, because I like the look of it. Tactical setup, strong defensively, but struggling to create. We're going to skip past that. Actually spoke about that a little earlier. So let's go to strengths and weaknesses of Arsenal. Oh man, I'm enjoying this too much, <laughs> but um, I know we've touched on it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's brilliant. It makes it easier for me as well because then I don't have to like dig down, look at my notes, look at the <laughs> questions. But um, someone I just want to touch on who I think is a strength for you is Bukaya Saka. And I think he's fantastic. When Kira mentions Mason Greenwood, I put Saka in the same bracket. I put it up yeah, there with he's, excellent. he's excellent place. Very So I did a podcast earlier, like I said, with, uh, with another Arsenal fan earlier on. And we really analysed at the time the way Arsenal were playing and Saka had played left back, left wing back, centre mid, attacking mid, left wing, and even behind the striker. The kid is so young. To have that sort of tactical acumen at such a young age is a manager's dream, isn't it? And Arteta really wanted to sign him, and you kept him. You're giving him the number seven shirt. I mean, how important is he to Arsenal's fans going forward? And just tell me some of the strengths and weaknesses of this Arsenal side. I think the reality with Saka is he's probably our second best player already. And um, I don't think you'd have many Arsenal fans arguing that. Uh, he's incredibly flexible. Um, you know, he he did he worked wonders playing um, left back. Uh, I think the I think that the hope is that he's going to play in a more advanced position. Like I, 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 I'd heard through the grapevine that Arsenal were trying him as a 10 in training and he was excellent there. Um, I think that the, the, there's a lot of potential that he could be potentially the player that helps us unlock our attack this season. But he's got um, he's got assists. I think he's got goals in him, um, and he's like a he's a straight A student. Uh, he's you know God fearing. He's everything that you want in a player. He's um he's he's a really inspirational character, and you know the, you just love to see homegrown players and the, the fact that we're producing a player of that caliber. Um, it speaks to the development that's been going on behind the scenes, but like it's exciting. You know, you want to see him on the team sheet. The, the the hope is that we don't that we don't get overexcited about him, that we don't put too much pressure on his shoulders, and that we don't cause physical problems. Because um, Jack Wilshire, we played him fifty six times when he was eighteen, and he, he never really recovered. He got all sorts of struggles after that. So I think the club needs to wrap him in cotton wool. But he's so good it's difficult to not play him in every game because his name really should be the first on the, on the, on the team sheet. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And sort of, uh, I wouldn't say this is a weakness, but what is going on with Aubameyang? Because again, <laughs> Kieran, we, we did a few transfer shows didn't we, over the summer and we, you know, we linked to Aubameyang, never going to happen, but I was very much, you know, for that sort of signing because he's a world-class goal scorer. But what I did notice is that when he did play centrally, his hold-up play wasn't good enough, which is a reason why I think why he's been shifted to the left. But looking at Lacazette, who doesn't as well score enough, should Aubameyang be moved back to central? I mean, we've got one of the guys that comes on the podcast. He thinks after you hit the age of 30, you, you just decline. <laughs> and we argued and argued and argued all summer because we were talking about Thiago and we we're saying, look, not everyone that hits 30 declines. I mean, is Aubameyang in a decline or is he just 
in poor form because it must be quite worrying. He's he's got his big contract and he's he's not really done very much, has he? I think that I think that Arsenal are in poor form. I don't think it's necessarily a Bamiyang. Like we're averaging eight point two attempts on goal this season. That's not good enough. Aubameyang um, needs chances. Um, he's got an incredible, you know, finishing rate, but he's 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 living off scraps at the moment. Uh, and I think that the left suits him because as as much as he is one of the best strikers in the world, he's not what I would call a complete striker. He's not. I don't think he's Robin Van Persie. I don't think he's Thierry Henry. He's a different type of striker. And I think, you know, in an ideal world, we need somebody with the finishing of Aubameyang, but the hold-up player of Olivier Giroud. Um, and, you know, you put Lacazette through that middle. Like, he's a hard worker, but he just gets eaten up by defenders. You know, your centre-backs will eat, you know, eat him for breakfast um, at the weekend if he plays there again. But we don't really have anyone that can do that bullying from the front, apart from Gabriel Martinelli, who's um, is that Brazilian wonder kid, who's um, a, an absolute monster of a player. Um, like presses like mad. Like he's everything you want in a modern. Like he, he's he he's thought that he plays best on the left, but he plays well through the middle as well. So the hope is that when he comes back into contention, that we have a solve. I still think Aubameyang will will play out on the left. And I think he also scores more goals out there and it gives him a little bit more freedom. But yeah, I think the hold-up play is um, is the problem. But his form is a problem of the, the squad structure at the moment. We're just not giving him enough chances to get on the ball. Yeah, and when you do give him a chance, he... he very rarely misses doesn't he I mean, he's he's as close as you come to guarantee goals fantastic finisher kieran you know pete spoke about a few you know he spoke about Saka, who's obviously a strength of arsenal's we've spoken about the weaknesses 8.2 shots averaging per game is really really low isn't it so what can united exploit i mean let's look at a few talk to me about a few of their strengths and then where can we exploit arsenal's weaknesses it's hard because you look at um the two teams and like we kind of said towards the start, it's hard to imagine this being a very open game. It's probably going to be very pragmatic. I can see Solskjaer having a similar enough kind of um, team to what you had against Chelsea, maybe plays with kind of a back five. Personally, I would prefer a back five because I think you can kind of get at Arsenal then because you're both stable, but you're also able to get onto attack and, the big issue with United in terms of if we were looking at the weaknesses is that kind of the defense is high line at times. If we're the ones that are pushing the game, Arsenal will be able to catch us if if we do that. If it's kind of the same defense we saw against Chelsea with Maguire and Lindelof. If you have someone like Axel to Anzavi back there, you have someone with a lot of strength and a lot of speed that can kind of make up for that. When you look at it on paper, the problem with United is just they're not finishing the chances that they get. They're, we've had a couple of good openings over the last couple of games, even with Rashford, and he's just he's not taking the right option. I think where United need to kind of kind of take or exploit Arsenal is they need to be physical with them. They need to match them because look, Arsenal are good defensively, but if you can make anyone in that defense second guess themselves, if you can score early and make Arsenal come on to you that's when the game will open up and that's where I think United have the big advantage because like we said if you're looking at the two teams creatively United are a more creative team and are able to create more chances the longer the game is at nil nil I think it's more likely that it either stays there or Arsenal are able to nick a goal 
I think what Arsenal need to be able to do is they need to remain compact defensively early on. They can't let United kind of come onto them too much. Um, they need to kind of show that there are those outlet passes that they can go on and attack because if United feel very comfortable attacking and the defence is holding up, then it'll be a difficult game for Arsenal. But again, it's one of those that it's the way it happens in that first half. If if you see United come out, if they can kind of nick an early goal, I think that's when you start to see the game open up and that's when it's more advantageous to United to win that game. But if it's a cagey game, it's really anyone can win. It's it's one of those kind of 1-0, 2-1 type games. Yeah, I, I think so. Look, it massively depends for me, and we'll come on to the score prediction now, but it massively depends for me on whether... It depends on what United do, whether they play with three at the back, whether they play four at the back. And it, for me, it depends again on who they play in midfield. And I want to see United go for it. I don't want to see United. We're at home. Uh, whatever anyone says, I don't want to see us set up not to lose. I'm not saying that's what we did against Chelsea, but I wanted to see more attacking intent. Uh, I don't expect Arsenal to come out. And why should they? Because they can, they're very strong defensively. They can actually hit you on the break. Why should they go out with the owners to go and play? It's on United, if, if, in my opinion. They're the home team. And that's something I want to see. And I, I think that it's actually more of a must-win game for Solskjaer than it is for, for Arteta. Because I think that Oli needs to win some of these big games. He needs to make up some points. After what's happened at Spurs, and obviously the poor starts of the season, each game is, is, is a must-win game now. And beat... Beat Leipzig tomorrow, beat Arsenal. I think you're looking at things more healthy. But Pete, I'm going to ask you for your score prediction. I'm going to go for a... This is difficult. This is going to be quite controversial. I'm going to go for a 2-0 United. I think we'll do it. What do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. I think maybe a maybe a, maybe a 2-1. I, I think that we're, we, haven't, we haven't won against the top six side away from home since like 2015. It's got to happen at some point. Um, I also think that you are. It's going to be very difficult not to get run ragged by Leipzig and Arsenal are playing Dun Dundalk um, in a, in the Europa League. So I'm hoping that some fresh legs might help us a little bit. But um, yeah, I go I go for a two one win to Arsenal. Yeah, for, for me it's it's tough. I I agree. With the Leipzig one is that's going to be a real tough game for United this week and. It depends how kind of we come out of that game because it's it's very similar to I think what happened with PSG last week is there's a lot of players that came in that probably weren't match fit to be able to play 90 minutes so they're playing on the bench and um, you saw with the likes of Axel Two and Zabi so it, that's why I think it'll be a very similar game to Chelsea so for me I think it's probably maybe one nil to United I don't see too many goals in this game really. Yeah, I think I've gone a little bit too uh, overconfident. I just think um, I think United got options to rotate, and that's the important thing. So when you look at the Leipzig game, United can play two completely different 11s pretty much. I mean, obviously, they'll be so. And I think that's the key. You know, the midfield against Leipzig might be the more defensive one, but against Arsenal, we could be seeing Pogba with, with Matic, and you can see Bruno, or even Van der Beek, Bruno, Matic. So I think United got options, and I think that's what's going to count. I mean, if Arsenal are playing on Thursday, Thursday, Sunday, you know, I believe it's Thursday, Sunday, isn't it, guys? We're playing, we're playing yeah. each other and stuff. Potentially, yeah. the biggest thing that you've got going for you is Mustafi might be yeah. starting. 
Yeah. And Mustafi coming back into the fold, like you're, you're either going to get peak Barese or you're going to get an absolute horror show. So I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous. Um, I'm a little <laughs> bit nervous about the defense. Our, our defense isn't uh, necessarily covering itself. <laughs> yeah. <glory. laughs> that's yeah. true. That's true. But, you know, I don't think anyone's defense is. But Pete, that has been an absolute joy, mate. Thank you very much for coming on. Where can all the listeners find your fantastic blog, etc.? and all your great work we're on a uh, lagrove.co.uk or at lagrove on twitter and there's a, a, a podcast called the arsenal opinion and guys thanks for having me on it was uh, it was great to have a, a proper chat with some exactly. uh, very knowledgeable united fans there enjoyed that absolutely yeah, we really really enjoyed it yeah absolutely brilliant and uh, pete we'll definitely get you back on again kieran thank you as ever i seem to see you more than i see my own family like we're pretty much I know, right? <laughs> you're like family mate, <laughs> no, mate absolute pleasure thank you for joining me again today mate well done. And uh, to all the guys, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. As you can see in the bottom right, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and loads of other ones that I can't even remember because we just put our stuff on everywhere. And, you know, you can probably find it there. So make sure you give Peter a follow as well. Put his name in the description and we will see you.